Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Good afternoon. I am Mance B., and I will be your moderator for this session. Yes. And, uh, in the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the essay message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. Sorry, not touching it. Uh, We will begin the meeting in a few moments of silence followed by the serenity prayer. And let us pray now. The serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. And does someone have the um, essay purpose close by? It's 201 in the white book. I'm Eric, I'm a sexologist. Eric. The same purpose. Sexolics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Thank you very much. Our panelists for this session are these two gentlemen sitting beside me. John B. and Jim B. B. R.T. R.T. is over there on the side wall. And we thank these gentlemen for considering that they are old-timers, although that's a relative term. So uh, in my eyes, they're peers. But uh, uh, read all of this. I will explain the uh, guidelines for the guidelines for sharing don't come yet. Uh, Each panelist will have 10 minutes to uh, share some of their experience, strength, and hope with us, and uh, then we will have time for sharing after that. 
And we have a preference of who starts. <laughs> You're the visitor. A volunteer. Is it time? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm Jim Sexaholic. Thank you. Y'all know what it takes to be an old timer? Don't act out and don't die. <laughs> I, ha- I'm, I um, you know, I read the the thing about what we were gonna who, uh, you know, twenty. Have you, have you been since hard to re, re, be sober twenty days, much less twenty years? I'm a little bit now. Rich asked me to be up here. I'm a little bit shy of twenty years. My sobriety date seven eleven oh six, and for that, I'm never sufficiently grateful. Um, so I'm shy of twelve years. Um, however, I did have nineteen years in AA at one time before I relapsed because of the shame of my sexual acting out. So I've been around programs since eighty one. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about positive sobriety. And first I'd like to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, this is this is how I this is how I see positive sobriety, how I do it, and I don't recommend it necessarily for you. I just want to talk about me for for a minute, okay? Um, so, I mean, this is how I do it after being, you know, I've been sober for a little while. I mean, it'll be 12 years in July. So, um, not acting out is not the hardest thing that I that I do every day. Thank God. Because it used to be. I was a chronic relapser. Uh, I w- went to my first essay meeting in um, 1996, and and my sobriety date's 2006. And in between there, there were there were uh, about 12 months of inpatient treatment in three different treatment centers. Um, uh, I have a, a lot of consequences from my sexual acting out. I was I'm a physician, but I lost my medical license because of because of my sex sexaholism. Um, so, but, but here's the good news. Today I have a, I mean, my, my positive sobriety, I want to talk about one, is freedom. I enjoy freedom. I mean, you know, people ask me, how long do you have to go to those meetings? Well, the answer is, you have to go until you want to go. And then you don't have to go anymore because you want to go. I don't have to go to meetings anymore. I don't. Nobody's looking over my shoulder. Nobody's signing a paper. Nobody cares but me. Maybe my wife. But uh, you know, I'm I'm free. I'm free to go to a meeting or to not go to a meeting. I don't know if any of y'all do these daily sobriety renewals, but one of the questions is. We're gonna we we commit to each other for today. You know, for today we we promise you, the other guy and me, that that we're not gonna do our bottom line behavior or do any other uh, lustful things. And then it says, but tomorrow we are free to go another way. And I love that. I I decided today that I wasn't gonna act, wasn't gonna I was gonna stay sober. But tomorrow I'm free. I'm free to go right or left. I never will forget getting out of treatment. I was in a treatment center for five months, and the day I got out, I got in my car, and I got to the end of the road, and I thought, wow, I can go right or I can go left. And it's just like the rest of my life. I can go here, do the next right thing, or I can choose. I have the freedom to choose and do the next wrong thing. Um, so the the rest of my thing 
is going to have to do with surrender. I, I just came from a meeting over there this morning about surrender. But surrender is the key to, to uh, my positive sobriety. And I've got a little piece here that uh, I'd like to share. Um, and, and it starts, I can't help but start this share with one of my all-time favorite quotes. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And that's from a Princess Bride. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with that. Others have shared about that word recently. Surrender is that word. Sometimes that word's thrown around so loosely at essay meetings that it loses its radical and paradoxical nature. The essay book has a lot to say about surrender, and some of my favorites is on page 81, where it says, in summary for us, Surrender is the change in attitude of the inner person that makes life possible. It's the great beginning, the insignia, the watchword of our program. And no amount of knowledge about surrender can make it a fact until we simply give up, let go, and let God. We surrender our freedom. When we surrender our freedom, we truly become free. What I've been able to understand, and I'm talking about in the Memphis area, people come to meetings often and they'll say, I need to surrender what I did at four o'clock this afternoon. Or I need to surrender what I, what's been going on with me for the last two days. I just don't think that's surrender. Um, and I want to talk about that for a minute. From what I've been able to understand and experience, surrender is not confession. If I'm actually working the 12-step program and I'm in the right relationship with God, through the kind of surrender essay book talks about, I will not have anything that needs confessing at a meeting. But if I spent the afternoon browsing porn on the net or acting out in other ways, I certainly didn't surrender any of my freedom to engage in fantasy or lust, other lust-driven acting out behavior. I acted out. I am not sober. And I was completely high on my lust drug. <laughs> Saying that sharing about my afternoon a few hours later at my meeting is surrendering is far from the reality of what just happened that afternoon. Surrender is radical. Surrender is extreme. And surrender is how I continue to leave lust behind in the heat of the moment because that's a result of a lifestyle change that started with step three. Um, surrender is not something I do on the backside of my acting out. Something that looks a lot more like trying to unload the guilt and shame, not surrender at all. Confession is great. Step five, says that we, we, we confess. But step, but confession only follows after an effective step four and an effective step three. For me, surrender is a whole new way of life. A new way of thinking and relating to God. It continues to happen in the moments of life because there's been a change brought about the, by the working of the steps of the program. Surrender is an attitude. As an attitude means there has been significant change in my life, thanks to God. I agree, and I think, that the overuse of the word surrender um, at our meetings can have a detrimental effect, particularly on newcomers who may start believing that essay is only about showing up at meetings and confessing one's latest round of acting out. I can say with certainty that the essay program, and, the, and if people stay here, that's just another trap. And it also in surrender, as we learn about in the program, and that is my story. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. And uh, John, do you want to pick up here? Sure. 
Uh, my name's John. I'm sexaholic. Um, I'll start off this way. I came into these rooms in 1997 in April. So I've been in around 21 years. Yeah, 21 years. But I too have a two year gap of laxed of before I got sober. I was in and I came in thinking, you know, I was like a big rooster coming in and I was going to get this stuff real fast and, and I was going to take on sponsees and I did all that and I kept, uh, doing what they call, uh, taking half measures. But I was telling my sponsees not to do that, but I was doing it and eventually it caught up to me. And so my, my sobriety date is May 25th, 1999. And, uh, that first two years, was gave me an opportunity to finally understand after I acted out what total unmanageability is because I knew I was powerless over lust I mean or, or or not so much lust as pornography and sex I was I, knew, I, I accepted that but I wasn't willing to accept the unmanageability in my life and that just so happens to be the second part of the first step which is, from what I heard, is the hardest part to accept. And once I started to accept that, I, I started to get well. And uh, my sobriety, I, I, I really, my first sponsor told me to, why don't you just be honest, you know? And because uh, I'd go and I'd sit and talk with him, and but I wasn't being honest with him. And, and he said, so a year after I got a celebration of my first year of true sobriety, we'll call it that, I, I said, come on, come to this meeting because I'm going to pick up my one-year chip. And so he was, he, he gave it to me and he said, I want to say a couple things. Um, one, I'm a school teacher, but he, he, he said, uh, you know, I met John and he was a, uh, I want to say he was a really bad teacher and a really good liar. And now he's a really good teacher, but a really bad liar. And I found out that being rigorous, rigorously honest, it really is habit forming. It's it's almost like you got to be careful who you're rigorously honest with. You got to make sure it's one of us before you don't do it with everybody. But boy, it, it clears this it clears your side of the road and clean my side side of the road. And to this day, if somebody asks me to do something dishonest, I, I can't do it. But that has helped with keeping this deeper sobriety we talked about or that we're talking about and i've i went through years of uh i really didn't keep in touch with that sponsor after a few years and i really didn't have a sponsor i just used the guys in the program uh and just had a, a number of check-in fellows and um a few years ago my uh, mom passed away and my dad had already passed away and uh, things started to change in my life i felt i was getting very complacent in the program i wasn't i was kind of taking my sobriety for granted I, I you know i had no urge to go act out but i wasn't taking it any deeper i wasn't growing spiritually and um i got a new sponsor and i picked him because i kept hearing him talk about i'm working on trying to find a deeper spirituality a deeper meaning just not staying sober and that really that really helped me um so i i i started doing some things and one of the things i i spent those first years of 
my second round of sobriety, uh, I really didn't do meditations in the morning and, and all that. But all of a sudden, I started doing this. I started reading a, a daily meditation book. And then I started, I said, you know, you never read the essay book cover to cover in one, you know, it, through. So I, I started doing that and not trying to read it every all through one day just bits and pieces just read through highlight things and then I did the uh, the uh, 12 and 12 and I had done the uh, I never read all the way through on the uh, the big book the the AA big book but I read the, a lot of that other stuff really getting to know uh, understand the struggles that AA had in the beginning and the struggles that Bill had and and uh, Dr. Bob and understanding what this disease is of uh, a mental obsession and a physical allergy. I never understood there were two parts to that. And so my eventually my morning readings are now up to about eight books I have going on in the morning. It started with all of maybe five minutes. Now I'm up to a half hour to 45 minutes, and I wish I could just do it for the rest of the day. But this has led to a deeper spiritual sobriety for me. Because now, as I read these things, I realized I really have to be selfish with my sobriety in that any little thing could tick it off you know the 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 stuff in my head i've always struggled with the memories not so much the compulsion at this point it's the memories that come back and they 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 just i I wish you know i have memories of things from 40 years ago that and so i started thinking you know you better start watching what you put in your ear what you hear what you see, what you smell, what you taste, and what you feel. So I started watching what I was doing. I, I really limited now to what I watch on the television because I'm a television addict. But mm. like I said before, one addiction per lifetime. So I'm working on just SA. Um, so, but I very particular. But I just read a lot now, and I try to help people. And I guess this is silly, but. I tell my students when they're leaving that I love them because they don't get to hear that. And these are tough kids. And that makes me feel good because we shouldn't be afraid to say that because that's what it all comes down to. And this has led to a very deeper spiritual existence for me. I took on more service positions. Uh, my sponsor got me to do Cicera secretary. I do the treasury and I'm also thinking of something else uh, that I ran by him just a few minutes ago. So thank you very much. We're going to experiment with technology here. Yes, is there a red light on the blinking? Yeah, I'm Dick. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, I was just a horrible drunk. Before I came in here, I, I, I loved acting. I loved it. I planned for it. I enjoy it. But then after a while, I realized this, this is going nowhere. I saw my kids, my three kids. I said, "I'm gonna lose these kids. I'm gonna lose my wife. We're gonna get, get divorced." So I got to change my ways. So I went to my my, my therapist, and he said, "Read this book, Patrick Carnes." I read it. I was on every page. I said, yeah, I'm, "I'm an addict." So, so I started going to meetings. 
and uh, got a sponsor and worked the steps. This is, this is all about taking little steps all the time. I mentioned television. I was watching TV the other day uh, on Thursday, and I think it was Mary, who's the one that gave Trump a hard time with Megan, Megan Kelly, whatever. It is. But she had she had couples on, and uh, my couples all had partners, extra partners. The wife had a boyfriend, the husband had a girlfriend. And I thought, you know, this this might be interesting. That <laughs> I thought myself, Jesus, what do you think? He said, Nah, I don't think so. There's no way that's good, it's good for anybody. It's certainly not good for you. So it's a real simple way to, to check things out. I ask Jesus and he tells me. And uh, I think I think we can hear him if we, if we try. He's going to give us good advice. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have somebody in the program. But um, I would I would act that all the time. But when I got in here, for some reason, I was able to, to not act out. Um... <coughs> I wasn't, my, 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 my mind wasn't right size when I came in. I, I was arrogant. I was egotistical. And uh, I started working on that now. In fact, I got something the other day, one of my, another meeting above me, it's called the Litany of Humility. And uh, a couple of them read like this. Um, from, from the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From for fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. Others may be loved more than I. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. Others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. These things all keep me right-sized. I'm a very selfish person. Addicts typically are selfish. Are for themselves. This is helping me. Getting a sponsor. A sponsee helped me. Because I had to think about them and their needs. So... When we think about other people, the better off we are in this. Um, Stephen King said in Shawshank, he said, "You have to either get busy living or get busy dying." I was home the other day preparing this talk, and uh, I've got Parkinson's. My voice is affected. My, my vision is affected. So I use, I use a, a little, a little cards that follow the magazines. I use those to on the page. I, I, t- I, was, I had Vanity Fair for me. I pulled that little card and this woman dressed in a real sexy outfit. Looked real comfy to look. I said, nah, can't use that. So I got, I got Better Homes and Gardens and I got some flowers. I stuck them in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was better. I think God, is, his, his hand is on us. His hand is with us. The devil is, the devil, the devil's there too. He's trying to tell me he wants me to, to break my sobriety. A big victory, victory for him. I, I, not, not, not that I can't, I'm trying not to let him do it. I'm just praying that Jesus will help me to keep me safe from him. Because he's out there. The world is a funny place. Um, I get sports illustrated every week. And every year in February or March, first week of March, they have the swimsuit, the swimsuit edition. Those pictures. Lust is the main theme. In fact, there's a guess we have a car that says, be lustful today. I, I don't know. They, they just produce lustful pictures. And, uh, you can, you can go to, to, to page, page of the magazine, you can ask them not to deliver you. This is, this is some suggestion if you want to. So I was going to go there, my wife said, no, don't do it. I might want to get it. I said, why? She says, well, I'd like to see what they're wearing. Like see what this is like. I said, aren't you triggered by it? She says, no, I'm not triggered by them. I just like to see what they like. The colors, the accessories they wear with them. So the deal is, she gets all the mail. 
She takes a magazine, she hides it. I never see it. Thank God, though, because it's very, it used to provoke a lot of loss to me. Just, just little things, little things like that. When you take a direction, you say, is this the right direction to go in? And you get an answer. I find I always, I always get an answer. Don't ask enough, but I always get an answer. Um, I'm praying a lot more now. Um, I resent some... My, my, my wife runs with these two guys every Sunday morning. I'm jealous as hell of them. They're my age. They can run. I can't run anymore. So that pisses me off. But um, she runs with them. I'm just so insanely jealous. My friend Alan is in this room. So please, you're here. Alan's going to be praying for, praying for the people that I resent. It really helps. It really helps. Uh, there's this one um, thing in the Bible. It's, uh, Corinthians 1.13. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't seek vengeance and so on. Just all the positive things in life. And by reading that, think about these guys. They've gone away. In fact, I went out to dinner with them a couple weeks ago. Had a great time. So, guys from probably peace. Seeking seeking relief from vengeance is probably peace. I'm really grateful for that. I've got some new folks to put on there too. But being, but being vengeful, hating people, I'm putting Donald Trump on there. Because I'm, I'm resentful of him. But, um, you really can't, I didn't think I could lose my resentment. I really, I really am losing them. I'm really grateful for that. Forgive me. This is my biggest flaw. Um, you, you become what you think about. I, I used to watch cop shows all day long. Cop shows. What's in cop shows? People getting killed. People getting beat up. People getting hurt. People getting scared. When I watch those, those shows, I'm, I'm frightened. It frightens me. I don't watch them. I'm not frightened. So, watch basketball. Watch, watch something else. Don't, don't watch the cop shows. Um, to take us a bit to bad places. If we're not have you all the time, we're, we're going to be depressed. And uh, depression doesn't get us anywhere. I'm with a great group of guys on Saturday morning. We had a group of six. We were in a surrender group. And um, we can go in there and tell our troubles of the week. And people ask you, well, how was lost in your week? And oh, I didn't have a problem with this week. It really strong this week. Just reporting that stuff is good. Clears the air. Plus, plus, during the week, when you say you're doing the wrong thing, you think about Saturday morning. <laughs> you have to fess up, so you don't do it. Um, so I'm good for that. We have a strong group. Uh, we're, we're, we're ruthlessly honest with each other. Some people struggle, and we help them with their struggles. It's wonderful. Um, so I'm good for that. I'm good for you guys. Thank you very much for listening to me. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Dick, we thank you very much. At this point, um, we will be opening up shortly for the uh, opportunity to uh, share from the group, but uh, let me refresh your thinking with the guidelines. Because of our common well, because our common welfare comes first. Here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. We do not crosstalk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the T, not the we or the you. We leave our other identities at the door, including politics, religion, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the SA point of view. Our meeting focuses on solutions to our SA approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not SA-approved literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, or sexually abusive language. In sharing, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. We can also remind each other of our commitment to these guidelines by quietly raising our hand. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check in, please find a temporary sponsor after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit in the chair uh, where I'm sitting. Uh, and uh, you can uh, form a line if uh, we have a line uh, regarding that. So that as many members as possible can have an opportunity to share, please limit your sharing to to, to, to two minutes or less. A timer will remind you when you can uh, reach two minutes. Please speak into the micro- microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. We're now open for sharing, and uh, you come up and sit where I am, and uh, I'll uh, move over to the other side. One of the opportunities of uh, dealing with old-timers like this is often uh, the people in the audience have more questions on their mind than uh, the speakers may have to share, Because, but uh, take advantage of the opportunity you've got to come up here and uh, uh, just share a question, and I'll let any one of the speakers respond to that who would uh, choose to. So, floor is open. I'm JJ, a uh, 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 sex addict. Uh, hi, everybody. We re- re- appreciate the shares and y'all being here for us. It's, it's a, a gracious thing to be here clean and sober today and with my head in the right way and I'm out of my head and I, and I'm, if I'm in my head, I'm dead. Uh, I, I, for 30 years, I went up and down, back and forth with cocaine and sex, sex and cocaine. Uh, I, I found, I was at a, uh, a triangle club early morning bird meeting, 7.30, and I shared about my, my acting out sexually. And a, a, uh, 
a, a member came to me after the meeting and says, you know, you may want to try SA. Uh, it might be a, uh, an opening there. I did try SA and the door opened and I realized at that point I was in the right place and I started immediately working hard realizing that that there is hope today and that uh, there's a way for me before I was running away from now I'm running into I I uh I get up every morning and I say, do my prayers and my meditation and I be still and listen and be still and listen and be still and listen. <laughs> Making sure that my mind is clear and that, that I don't have any, any uh, uh, wavering thoughts and things like that that could take me away from uh, the, the now moment of my life. Uh, so uh, it's... Uh, it's a gracious thing. I I've came into this program. I've reached out to others. I've sponsored others. I've done service work, and I'm so grateful to be a part of the marathon. It's 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 a it's a a star in my heaven, and I'm grateful for this this meeting and all you people. Thank you. Mark C. is sexaholic. Mark. I'm not an old-timer in this program. I'm getting older, but uh, I came here because I learned so much from the guys who have been in the program a long time. They have a lot of sobriety, and they have a lot of joy in their life. You know, I, I see a lot of these guys at uh, regular meetings, and um, I find it very moving to hear them speak. Uh, but I just wanted to quickly share, so thank you to the panelists and uh, the moderator and to all of you. Um, I just want to share something really crazy. Uh, wow, you know. So I had a little disconnection with my wife earlier this week where I wanted to do something career-wise and turns out she wasn't comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, I had like a prideful reaction to that. Felt sorry for myself, I think. And uh, so a series of things happened now and, and it just came to completion maybe now. <clears throat> and that is, so Wednesday night... Uh, I'm, I do music at my church, play piano, and uh, the director sent over some music for a new song we're going to do. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. And the lyrics of it are like, you know, all about humility and stuff. And it turns out that it's from this thing called the Litany of Humility. And, uh, <clears throat> which is just, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. So the next night, I'm sitting at home. I play some practice, but I really love it. Uh, then uh, Thursday night, um, no, uh, yeah, no, Friday night. Then Friday night, uh, my wife, she was sitting there last last night, and uh, she's on her computer. Says, "Have you ever seen this?" She's really good. It's, it's a litany of humility. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I'm sitting over there, and one of the moderators pulls out this sheet of paper. <laughs> And he starts reading from the Litany of Humility. I'd never heard of this four days ago. No, no, I guess my higher power is trying to tell me I need to focus on humility. That's all I can say. Thanks. Hi, I'm Tim. I am a recovering sexaholic. Um, appreciate the panel. Appreciate the things that were shared. Um, I would like to ask the panel a question, if I may, and that is, what does um, your relationship with your sponsor look like 
at this time in your program since you've been in the program for a long period of time, sober for a long period of time? Um, that's all right. So, so like I said earlier, I had a lot of time in twelve step recovery, just in another had other letters, and and then when I got sober in SA, finally, um, I found this 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 new sponsor, and he he carried me through the steps i mean you know we i had to have an appointment with him every week face to face work steps and and uh, and i'm a pretty smart guy but this guy is brilliant i mean he's a genius and he would you know whenever i call my sponsor and i'm having a problem he says well turn to page 95 in the big book and go to the third paragraph in the second line and read it to me i mean he's that kind of a sponsor i like to do that but but the deal to to your question my sponsor i don't you know i don't talk to him every day now and maybe i'll go a week without calling him i always he's the first person i call when i'm having Feelings or an issue or some, you know, somebody stirred up my selfishness or self-centeredness and he can, he can slap me around a little bit about that. He does that well. Um, so I just, I mean, it's, he's still there. He's an anchor for me. Um, oh gosh. And I sponsor about 10 guys and, and he is a wealth of information for me when I say, look, dude over here is not doing right, you know, and he'll, he'll, he can really help me with that, that kind of stuff. Thanks. My my relationship with my sponsor right now is I don't call him every day either. I usually try once a week to give him a call, let him know where I'm at. If I have a big decision to make in my life, I, I call and, and pass it by him. Um, a few weeks ago, I spoke at the quarterly speakers meeting at the Buckhead Group, and when I finished writing my talk, I, I sent it to him and asked for feedback, and where I needed to hit harder, or, or you know, some. I, I I guess it's more guidance. I I, I look for for guidance, um, and and also when I need to be rigorously honest. But you know, I try to be that way all the time. So, but that's pretty much my relationship. Thanks, man. And uh, he um, he models spirituality. He takes out a book and reads from it. He, he doesn't tell you to read the book, but you know he wants you to read the book. So you get the book and you do it. And that's modeling is the most powerful way for me. It's very powerful. People, thank you. Anyone else got a question? Come on up. No. My name is Alan M. and I am a sexaholic. Question for you gentlemen. Um, as I get further and further in the program, um, I lost my sponsor about nine years ago. He was my sponsor, an excellent man, but couldn't stay in the program, and he's been gone now for nine years. I've relied on people like you to give me guidance when I run into problems, but I have found 
much to my surprise, that even people who are just coming into the program, uh, some of them with very little sobriety, some of them with medium sobriety, also can provide the answers. And I have a feeling, I'm not sure, but I have a feeling when I'm talking with God, I never see the burning bush. I never hear the rushing wind. But if I get on the telephone and call somebody, I get an answer. And my question to you is, when you lose a sponsor, what do you do? Thanks for letting me ask. Share. My first sponsor and I, we really didn't lose. I mean, I just stopped calling him. You know, he always told me, you know, I'm not going to call you. You need me. You call me. And so I really never called. And just a few years ago, like I said, I felt the need to have a someone to talk to, and I found another sponsor. Um, but the role my first sponsor played, I, I, I realized was more or less to pound me to see that I was a really sick guy. The role my second sponsor plays is deepening my sobriety uh, and showing me how the way to do it through through daily prayer and meditation and really caring about other people and making sure that what I take in is good stuff and not the bad stuff. And so as far as what do you do when you're I would just keep looking around find someone that you are comfortable with in the meantime keep talking to other people literally it's an interview process I guess right that you're you when you're talking to them you're interviewing to say maybe would I want this person does this person have what I want in my for, to, to sponsor me to help me so that's what I would do yeah um now for me i i need clarity in my life i need to have clear understanding of who's the sponsor and who's the sponsee and so um if if i lose a sponsor i need to pick somebody and i've learned over the years you know it's not like a marriage i mean you know temporary sponsor can be an okay thing for a while and 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 many times a temporary sponsor is still your temporary sponsor 10 years down the road but um i it just for me i need i need to have a clear relation understanding and relationship okay you're the sponsor and i'm not in this in this in this situation but you were talking about hearing hearing god through other people it, I mean, my sponsees do as much to keep me so to help me stay sober as my sponsor does, maybe more. Um, but I don't know if any, if you guys have ever experienced this, but occasionally when I'm talking to a sponsee and they ask me something, stuff comes out of my mouth and I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> and I have and I and it gives me chill. I'll sit back and say, well, man. <laughs> but I really know where it came from. I mean, God is—I'm just—I'm just—I'm just the conduit. You know, God is talking to my sponsee through through my words, and that. But when I realize that, it's a neat experience. Thanks. Dick, do you have anything? To sure. Uh, yeah, I, I have two sponsors, and uh, I, I value their, their their advice very much. 
Man's, Man's is my sponsor now. I'm very, very grateful for his, his advice and suggestions as far as reading scripture goes. Because I, I need to become stronger in scripture. I'm Catholic. We, we, we don't do much with, with, with scripture. But uh, I'm doing it now. It's, it's, there's a lot in the book. It's really good. Thanks, Dick. I'm Ken. I'm sexual. Um, question for the panelists. Um, I've learned that I have to continue to grow my program spiritually as well as service-wise in other areas. And um, suggestions, ideas, or some of the things that you undertook in the course of the years you've been sober to expand your spiritual program. Specific kind of things, uh, retreats or literature, mm-hmm. whatever. Thanks. Um, yeah, I've, I'm a I'm a Christian, and I'm involved in a Christian men's thing, and we and we do week training weekends, and we have what we call a soul group, and I'm really involved in that. I you know I think that it's important for me to have a secular program and a, and a, and a religious program, and both of them are highly spiritual, um, but I get different I get different needs filled from from each one of them. Did you say something about service? Well, I was just saying that I use I have to grow my service program also. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about service for a minute because I wanted to meet with you after this meeting and so now we're going to meet right now. I'm a trustee and I and and I was uh, elected as a trustee in 2015 and that was three almost three years ago and it was it's been the best thing for me for my program for my spiritual program to help me stay sober to get me to meet people all over the world to you know I've got uh, it's just it's just remarkable and we have five openings we have eight trustees in, in the world and there's five openings coming up in July and so I'm fixing to make an announcement. I made an announcement earlier in Cicero. Um, anybody that anybody that's got five years uh, sobriety and they've got some time to give, um, see me about being a trustee. I uh, one of the things that I did when I came back after my slip in '99 was I. After my dad died, I started to go back to church. I'm Catholic, and I was in and out of church, but, you know, they never did it the way I thought they needed to do it, so I was always believing more of that. But one morning I woke up, and I felt horrible. My dad had passed, and I could not feel. And I got one of those voices again in my head that said, well, Mass is at 7.30. Get your tail over there. And so I started going back to church. And then when I slipped... Something said, you know, you got summers off. Why don't you go to mass every morning and really jump into this? And so during uh, early 2000s, my service work really was towards my church. I was involved in teaching uh, CCD for a while. I sang in the chorus uh, for for Life Teen, and then I left that. And uh, late, then I got kind of complacent with my SA program 
as far as not doing too much service work. And then recently, uh, over the last few years, I got into doing, uh, I'm the treasurer at Buckhead and Cicera secretary and other things I want to do. So God's training me for something. So that's how I look at it. I got Sponsies. And now I've got the uh, circle on Saturday mornings. These are ways that I'm growing in uh, in spirituality um, and, and, the, and Bible. Um, the Bible inspires me. I, I, Catholics don't read it very much, but um, uh, in, in the wedding feast, Mary says, "Jesus, he says, my hour is not yet come. Don't bug me about, about the wine." And she just goes to the servant and says, "Do whatever he tells you." It's a simple statement. Do whatever he tells you. And they do it. They, they got wine. And there's a when when Mary Magdalene finds the tomb, and she's looking, she's bewildered, she's looking around for her, and this voice comes out to her, Mary, Mary. And she looks up, and she says, Rabbi, Rabbi. This stuff touches me. So that was that was a powerful force in my life right now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Time for one more question. Kevin, Kevin, grateful for coming to Sexaholic. Um, the question, and I saw, I'm sorry I didn't hear your story, so if you spoke to this, just tell me so. But um, I'd really love to hear about what's different from year one to year 20, and what would you change? Thanks. What's different? Having to go further with my spirituality, deepening my spirituality through staying sober so that I am open and clear to hear what the message is from other people, but from the various readings that I'm doing. Um, would I do it? How would I change it? I've learned that don't change a thing. This was always the plan. I'm just supposed to fulfill it. So that's pretty much the way I want to go. Um, I got a couple a couple of things came to my mind. A difference in in year one. In year one, I had a filter on my computer. I think they are necessary in early sobriety. I think they slow me up with my third step work because I'm dependent on something to do God's work. But I believe in them. But I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a filter on my on my computer now. And it's okay. Two, I really like R-rated movies, good blood and guts, and shoot them up and kill them and all that stuff. And and most in every one of those movies, I'm going to see a pair of breasts or something like that. And I'll and I and I wouldn't go to an R-rated movie on, on year one, but now I go. But there's I've got a, my alternate higher power is always sitting right there, and that's my wife. And so, and so we, we enjoy movies together. And when it, when the boobs come up, I just hold her closer, and and it says to her, "Yeah, I see that, but it's all about you." And and that works for me. And I wouldn't tell somebody in, in early in sobriety maybe to do that, but that works for me. So that's just that's that's two differences right there. Um, what I would do different. 
I said earlier, you know, my sponsees are really important to me. They really, and so I think, I think I I would never say no. If somebody asked me to sponsor them, half the time they're not going to call me anyway. So, I, I would never say no, I've got too many. You know, that's one thing. I would never say no. And the other thing is I would never fire one. I mean, you know, if, if, if somebody's not doing the deal and they're not following my directions, you know, sometimes I got this little speech about, about, you know, uh, you can follow my directions and I'll be your sponsor or not and I'll be your friend. And that's the way I have terminated those relationships in the past. But I think, I think, I think I just don't need to have that conversation. I mean, you know, if they're, unless, unless they become bothersome to me in some way and they're relapsing and they're not, and all they want to do is whine. I'm pretty, I'm pretty outspoken and quick. I hate talking on the phone, but I love talking on the phone. And if somebody's, somebody's wasting my time on the phone, I don't have trouble saying bye. Mine's very simple. I was a slave to sex. Just a slave. And I would act out at the top of a hat. And now I don't feel like a slave anymore. I feel like I'm, I'm not driving the train, but somebody, somebody's driving it for me and they're doing a good job. I believe our time is up and I'm very grateful for our speakers and uh, we had some very good uh, Q&A session after now it's uh, please join me in thanking all of our panel and uh, they've done a great job Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. And what you say here, let it stay here. Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. Let us circle up uh, with the group and have a moment of silent meditation. And I would ask Jim B. if he would lead us in a prayer of his choice. Third step prayer. God, God, I offer myself to thee to deal with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that have been revealed within them. May bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I do thy will always. Keep coming back as it works if you work it. Shower every day and night. I'm not going to